morning, and welcome to Blossom Valley Bible Church. It is wonderful that we can join together today. And even though we're not here together, I can look around our sanctuary and see your smiling faces, and that's really heartwarming. We have a few announcements this morning. We are still continuing to work with Living Waters Recycling Program. While we are unable to meet on Sundays, the bins will still be outside in the courtyard on Saturdays from 10 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They are very grateful for our support. And a sincere thank you on behalf of the Elder Board for the tremendous faithfulness of those who have continued to bless Blossom Valley Bible Church with their financial support throughout the entire 2020 year. The Global Outreach Team also expresses thanks for supporting those who share the gospel across the world through your faith promise. More things to be given. So much to be grateful for this year. The Christmas giving tree this year blessed many families in our church and we thank those who took a card from the tree and provided gifts of hope for those families at our church. Also, blessings in a bag, the continued support of gift cards and bringing food into our food pantry. God bless every one of you for doing that. And an update on Living Waters. In 2020, we partnered with Westgate Bible Church and Blossom Valley Bible Church donated $1,000 to rehab a well in Zambia. Pretty exciting just by collecting water bottles and cans. Through our efforts, even during the COVID, we again have donated $1,100 from our recycling efforts. So just one more time, on Saturdays from 10 to 4, the recycle bins will be in the courtyard to collect cans and bottles. Thank you. God bless you. Happy New Year. We can't wait to see you. Hello, everyone. Uh, Happy New Year. I hope that you all had a, a wonderful holiday and that you are all staying safe, healthy, and joyful. Before we go any further, let me pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you for the gift of Jesus and for the transformative power of his gospel. Open our hearts and, and quiet our spirits now as we seek to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A new year. That sounds uh, really, really good. You know, I don't have to elaborate too much on why we are all very happy uh, to leave 2020 behind. And as I was writing this message last week, uh, I was thinking about the possibility, the very real possibility that I would have to go back and amend it because I couldn't be sure if, if something really weird was going to happen between last Monday and, and today when I'm recording the message. So I have to tell you, I'm super happy that I didn't have to change a thing and I'm able to read the, the very same words that I, that I wrote back uh, last week. If 2020 has shown us anything, it's that we really don't have a, a whole lot of control over what's happening around us. And, and, and that's really scary. When our daily lives are disturbed and, and so many of the things that we had taken for granted, you know, the, those little freedoms that we had never really thought about too much, but that were so necessary for us to, to stay in balance. When those are taken away, there's this feeling of helplessness that, that 
starts to seep into our consciousness. And that can be dangerous because it leads to a very destructive attitude, that, that attitude that, that tells us, why even bother? Uh, nothing I, I can do is going to change anything. And as, as depressing as that sentiment is, there is a, an element of truth to it. But we are not helpless. Although we, we may not be able to, to change our circumstances, we can change our reaction to those circumstances, how we deal with it. If we're living our lives in Christ, there are a couple of things that, that we can be absolutely certain of. First, we can be certain that God is in complete control of everything, and he's working it all to our good. Secondly, we, we have been placed on a, a path of transformation toward Christ-likeness. And third, that transformative process is unaffected by anything that's going on in the world around us. That old saying uh, that God loves us just the way we are, but that he doesn't want us to stay that way, that is just as true today as it was back at the beginning of 2019. All of that to say, we can't change the world, but we can change ourselves. And what better time to, to embrace a change than at the beginning of a new year? See, New Year's has traditionally been a, a time for change, or at least announcing the intention to change. New Year's resolutions have been a part of the fabric of our society for a long, long time. I want to share something with you now that I, that I found on the History Channel website that I, I thought was quite interesting. Did you know that the ancient Babylonians are said to have been the first people to have made New Year's resolutions. About 4,000 years ago. They were also the first to hold recorded celebrations in, in uh, commemoration of the New Year. Uh, though for them, the, the New Year didn't begin in January. It actually started in March when they planted their new crops. And, and they had this massive 12-day celebration that they called Akitu. And, and the Babylonians, they, they would crown a new king or they would reaffirm the existing king. And, and they also made promises to the gods, the, the pagan gods. They made promises to pay off their debts or, or return objects that they had borrowed. And these promises uh, could be considered the, the forerunner of our modern New Year's resolutions. If the Babylonians kept their word, they believed that their pagan gods would bestow favor upon them for the coming year. And if they didn't keep their word, they would fall out of the gods' favor. And that's a place that, that no one wanted to be. A similar practice uh, was also carried on in ancient Rome. Uh, after the reform-minded emperor Julius Caesar, he kind of tweaked the calendar and he established January 1st as the beginning of the new year, in around 46 BC. And uh, named for Janus, the two-faced god whose spirit was said to inhabit doorways and, and archways, January had a, spe uh, a special significance for the Romans, because they believed that, that Janus was symbolically looking back over the year that had passed and forward into the year to come. So the Romans would offer sacrifices to the, the deity and, and they made promises to, to be good over the coming year. Well, for early Christians, 
the first day of the new year, became the traditional occasion for thinking about one's past mistakes and resolving to, to be better in the future. In 1740, uh, the English clergyman John Wesley, who, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, uh, John Wesley held what he called the Covenant Renewal Service. And he, he, he held it on New Year's Eve. And, and it was also known as Watch Night Services. And, and they included readings from the scriptures and hymn singing. And, and it served as a spiritual alternative to the secular celebrations that were normally held to to celebrate the new year. And they are still popular within some uh, evangelical Protestant churches, especially the African-American denominations and congregations. Uh, they hold watch night services on New Year's Eve, and they're often just spent praying and making resolutions for the coming year. Well, despite its religious roots, New Year's resolutions today are a mostly secular practice. Instead of making promises to the gods, uh, most people make, make resolutions only to themselves and focus purely on, on self-improvement, which probably explains why a lot of the uh, resolutions seem so hard to follow. Well, according to recent research, well, as many as 45% of Americans say they usually make New Year's resolutions, only 19% are successful in achieving their goals. But that dismal record probably won't stop people from making resolutions anytime soon. I mean, after all, we've had about 4,000 years of, of practice. But go, go back to that figure, uh, 19%. And, and that particular figure is an allusion to a, a fairly well-known study that was conducted at the University of Scranton uh, back in 2012. In, in a series of studies, uh, uh, researchers from the university followed a group of 200 people over a two-year period. 71% uh, were able to keep their resolutions for one week. After a month, it dropped to 64%. That fell to 50% after three months. And after six months, only 46 people were still adhering to their resolution. However, after they checked back with them, after the two-year period, only 19% would, would admit that they were keeping to that resolution they had made. 19%, that's one in five. And, and those aren't very good odds, but before any of us gets discouraged, there are, there are a couple of important things that we need to remember. Resolutions, like any other activity, any other activity that we undertake, must have a godly purpose and, and be the result of prayerful consideration. If our resolutions meet that criteria, we stand a much better chance of having them succeed. It, just listen to uh, a couple of scriptures, okay? This is from Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And from Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. When we, as Christians, decide to make a resolution, we involve God in every step of the process, from, from planning to execution. Resolutions uh, should be strategic reminders for our repentant hearts. 
As Christians, our resolution should be set in place to progress the will of God in our lives. Before we embark on a a plan to change ourselves, to become someone new, it's imperative that we we remember who we were. We look back over the, the last year and identify clues as to who the Father wants us to be. What were the the triumphs and the trials, the times where we saw God's hand most clearly? If we can discern a a trajectory from those observations, our path forward will be illuminated more clearly, and we can take comfort in knowing that we are acting in obedience. I've got a a purely hypothetical example that I want to share with you. Let's say uh, that last year, we finally got our our web-based business up and running okay we got a little online thing going on and and god provided the the right people at, at just the right time you know we were blessed with some really solid investors and and we got a couple really motivated people for for key positions and lo and behold we actually start getting business and and we're turning a profit in the middle of a pandemic year our little business is actually turning a a, a profit Now, imagine that one of the things that was on our bucket list, right, one of those things we had always wanted to do was to go on a solo backpacking trip through South America. So come New Year's Eve, we resolve to do it. And the very next day, we we leave our business behind uh, to fend for itself, and, and we take off on our journey. That sounds crazy, right? Well, it should, because it is crazy. But... All of that, just to make this point, major life decisions have to be made within the framework of God's past provision alongside an honest assessment of where we can best discern that he's leading us. Making a a life-altering change because we have, quote, always wanted to do it and because it's New Year's Eve, that has a huge potential for disaster. And, and if it's not approached in a, in a way that honors God and reflects an obedient heart, it's going to fail. Honoring God with our decisions, it should be a daily activity. Praying for his guidance and, and direction is part and parcel of our Christian life. And, and this shouldn't be news to any of you out there, and I don't think that it is. It's something that we know to be right and proper, yet how often, how often have we heard of individuals or or even whole families that have had to pay the price for a decision that was made in haste? The path of of God's will in our lives is informed by our our quest for the wisdom of his word and, and the relational knowledge of him that is gained through our prayer life. It's an undeniable fact that our God wants to be in relationship with us. So much so that that he came to earth in the form of a man to, to live among us, teaching and preaching, seeking, saving, and ultimately giving his all at Calvary's cross. Christ's obedience brought honor and, and glory to the Father, and our our obedience shouldn't be any different. When we involve God in our lives, when we invite his presence into our decisions, we are letting him know that we have not forgotten his past provision and that we value the partnership. 
the wisdom of God is, is available to all who believe, and to ignore such an immense resource is kind of silly, actually. <laughs> now, I realize that most New Year's resolutions are, are not going to be on the, on the magnitude of that example that I used earlier. But that's not to say that, that prayerful consideration and divine guidance is going to be of any less import. Our God is a God of infinite detail. And no decision that we make is too small for his attentions. According to an article from MSN back in January of 2020, the, the majority of resolutions fell into the self-improvement category. Yeah, things like exercising more, eating healthier, getting our finances in order, or eliminating undesirable personality traits like impatience, anger, resentment. And these were closely followed by resolutions to pursue passions. You know, things that we'd always wanted to do, like art, music, cooking, and all, all kinds of neglected hobbies, maybe stuff that we did as a kid and vowed to, to get back into doing it in the coming year. Because of the, that self-improvement label, though, that we, that we give to a lot of our decisions, there may be that tendency to think that, uh, well, this stuff is good for me. Uh, I don't think that God's going to mind if I, if I try to better myself. And, and that's probably true in most cases, but, but we're missing an important point. Remember that success rate figure that I mentioned earlier? 19%, one in five? Well, it seems to me, anyway, that a prudent person, someone who really wanted to succeed, would, would try to stack the odds in their favor, right? A prudent person... He might even remember and apply the scripture that we read earlier. You know, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Once we have prayerfully determined that our resolution is in line with God's will, we humbly ask for his help. Working in partnership with his Holy Spirit and fully submitting to his will allows his compassion to flow through us and, and drive us to success. God wants us to have the most abundant life imaginable. And he is delighted when we ask for his help. But knowing that, that God is good and, and so generous and ready, willing, and able to help is only part of the equation. We still have the responsibility to, to make the wise choice when it comes to applying that divine assistance. You may have already made resolutions, or perhaps you haven't made any yet, you know, but it doesn't matter really where you're at in that process. I have a few guidelines that, that I want to share with you. Item number one, keep it simple and keep it real. In, in fact, you might even say, Keep it real simple. We don't want to overwhelm ourselves with an exhaustive laundry list of items. If you get tired just reading the list, that's not a good sign. According to psychologists, that, that huge uh, shoot for the moon style of list, it can be so intimidating that it can result in a failure to launch and, and people give up before they even start. So how do, how do we avoid that quitting before we even start scenario? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. We prayerfully seek the Lord's guidance in simplifying the list and and concentrating our focus. Perhaps we have one big item that we'd like to accomplish over the coming year. Well, any additional items on that list should be ancillary. They should serve to to assist us in the achievement of that that larger goal. Uh, For instance, uh, let's just say our goal is to, to train for a marathon. Yeah, that's something that uh, I'm going to be doing, (laughs) right? Anyway, let's say our our goal was to train for a marathon. One of the ancillary items on that list could be to eat more protein or drink more water each day. And we, we can further simplify that goal by seeing the year in steps as a series of, of smaller goals. You know, using the, the marathon example, uh, we could set realistic monthly goals uh, that will reinforce our sense of progress and, and drive us you know, towards success. Perhaps we increase our running distance incrementally month by month. Uh, perhaps if, if we're training on a track, we can shoot for better lap times e- each week. See, quanti- quantifiable progress is a powerful motivator against feelings of discouragement that, that can actually transform a daunting task into a rewarding journey. We can joyfully give thanks to God for his faithfulness in in providing us these small victories as as proof of his provision. The second principle is to make it tangible. Setting an ambitious resolution can be fun and inspiring, but I'll tell you what, those feelings can quickly turn to frustration when we realize just how difficult the task is going to be. Reality sets in, and, and before we know it, we can be, become so discouraged that we just give up. That is why our goals have got to be bounded by realistic and achievable metrics. For example, we make a resolution to, to lose weight. That's not easy to follow. However, when, when we apply a tangible metric to the plan, uh, for example, uh, no chips, French fries or ice cream for six weeks. Our chances of success are are greatly multiplied. We may even have to limit that goal even more. We might have to tell ourselves, no chips, fries, or ice cream today. Uh, That's a method that's proven to be very successful in in programs like Alcoholics Anonymous. You tell yourself that you're going to do whatever you've been avoiding tomorrow. Okay, you make it through that day, and then that next day you say, I'm going to do this tomorrow. And you do it over and over again, because God's mercies are new every day. And he will get you through the day. And, and before you know it, there's, there's a whole bunch of tomorrows behind you. And you're that much closer to your goal. Closely related to the idea of making a goal tangible is to make it specific. A resolution that is loosely worded, it can get lost in in ambiguity. Be specific. Instead of making a general statement like, I'm going to start going to the gym in 2021, set a clear ambition. Sign up for a spin class or a weightlifting class or an aerobics class, maybe Tuesday and Thursday. Nail, Nail the goal down. Make it specific. Uh, Clarity 
is key. We will never be able to grab the brass ring if we can't even see it. Dr. John Norcross, who was actually one of those researchers who did that resolution study at Scranton University, he had this to say about that. If you can't, if you can't measure it, it's not a very good resolution because vague goals beget vague resolutions. Vague goals beget vague resolutions. The third principle is to make it obvious. Make it obvious. Personal accountability is foundational for goal seeking. And it can take many forms. Experts recommend charting goals in, in one way or another, but there's no universal agreement on how you should do it. Uh, for some people, making a simple to-do list is sufficient. For others, uh, they might want to make a great big old vision board or uh, a personal diary. And these can all provide a, a, a quick, what you would call a progress at a glance metric that that can help us stay on track and, and remain encouraged. Or they can also serve to reveal problem areas that, that need more attention and, and correction. A, a recent development uh, has been the sharing of goals with family and friends on social media, things like Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you make your mission public, and, and that builds accountability and it strengthens our resolve uh, because well, failing is one thing, but failing publicly, that's a whole other animal. Uh, it's scary. It's scary to, pu to put yourself out there, so to speak, but public accountability is a strong motivator to, to keep us on task and to hold us to our goals. The fourth principle is to be open to adjustments. Be open to adjustments. Even though we can be on a path toward what we perceive to be a dream goal, there is no guarantee that our version of the goal is going to look exactly like God's version. What will appear to us as a bump in the road, an impediment to our success, that can actually be God placing us exactly where he wants us to be. Let me elaborate. I've got a little, another one of those hypothetical situations. Let's say that we had a goal to raise, to raise enough money to take a trip to Africa and teach English at a missionary school. So we embark on a fundraising campaign and, and, and we get the money together, we, we say goodbye to the family and friends and off we go to Africa. However, when, when we arrive, we find out that that teaching position has already been filled. But there is a need for people to work in the kitchen. So do we quit and go back home? Or do, we, or do we realize that a sovereign God has placed us exactly where he wants us to be? Do we focus on the apparent failure of not getting the job that we wanted? Or do we revel in the success of having our God bring us all the way to Africa to serve his kingdom. When we walk through life with the, the knowledge that we are loved and accepted by God right where we are at, at this moment, we enable his will to, to flow more freely through us. What constitutes success and, and failure in the earthly realm can look entirely different 
when viewed from a kingdom-centered perspective. If, by his divine grace, we are, we are allowed even a glimpse of the divine plan, that's a reason to celebrate. On the other hand, there, there are going to be situations that will remain a mystery until we go to glory. Either way, we continue to push forward in, in obedience, secure in the knowledge that everything is being worked out for our good. And that brings me to my final point. Keep believing that you can do it with God's help. Keep believing that you can do it. Even when we have done our level best to ensure that our goal is worthy and that, and that it's God-honoring, there, there are going to be difficulties. Despite our, our best efforts and intentions, situations will arise that, that cause us to question our resolve and our willpower. A noted science journalist by the name of, of Chris Burdick, in an article that he wrote for the L.A. Times a few years ago, he, he cited a uh, Stanford University study that revealed a remarkable fact about willpower. In, in this study, it was shown that, that people performed better or worse based upon their belief of the durability of willpower. Test subjects were told that... Uh, excuse me, test subjects who were told that their willpower was finite and could be exhausted, they performed worse than the people who were told that their willpower was infinite. They, the people who, who were told they had infinite willpower, they performed better at every task. In other words, according to the study, we have as much willpower as we think we have. Wow. That solves everything, right? All we have to do is believe that we have super willpower and hallelujah, our trials are over. Well, not quite. A mind over matter, positive attitude, that's only going to get us so far. Remember what, what Jesus said in, in the Garden of Gethsemane when after he had asked them to stay awake, he, he comes back to find his disciples sleeping. This is from Matthew 26:41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think that we can all agree on the truth of that statement. We exist as, as spirit and flesh, and, and because of that, our efforts to bolster our fortitude needs to have a holistic approach the little engine that could you know that I think I can I think I can that strategy needs an upgrade and the good news is is that there is an upgrade and it's available for immediate download remember the passage from Ephesians 3 I'm gonna repeat it now now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us the power of Christ within us is the power to transform I think I can into I know I can. This is not a, a mind game that we play on ourselves or, or a demonstration of the power of positive thinking. It is the power of the Almighty God that is made available to us through Jesus Christ. See, our ability to remain steadfast in the pursuit of godly goals 
It's not based on how much power we think we have. It's based on how much power we know that God has. You know, it's my hope and my prayer that all of us would want to be better people in 2021. If there is anyone who who feels that there's no room for improvement, well, let's just say that that we might want to have a meeting at, at some point. Like I said earlier, God loves us just the way we are, but he he doesn't want us to stay that way. There is always room for improvement, and it's going to be like that until we get to heaven. The Father wants us to to enjoy the best life possible, and, and in order to do that, we have to be the best possible people. We have to be the best friends, the the best husbands and wives, the best parents, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, bosses, employees, and even the best pet owners. Whatever our role, and most of us have many, we are called to live as examples of godly gratitude and love. We are called to maintain our bodies and, and to make them a place where the Spirit of God is pleased to dwell. Our thoughts and, and emotions are set on higher things and, and not wasted on the fruitless pursuits of the world. We have been set on a path, people, a path of transformation, and, and we're bound to a covenant of grace that demands sacrifice. The freedom that we've been granted through the gospel can only be fully realized through the exercise of godly discipline a discipline that is truly for our own good. So here's a challenge for for all of us. Find at least one thing that we want to do better in 2021. Maybe it's being more intentional about reading the Word. Maybe it's being more diligent about staying in contact with old friends. Perhaps it's spending more time in prayer. It could even be having more patience in traffic or when you have to use one of those automated phone menus. Whatever it is, identify it and take it to the Lord. If it's His will and and we are acting in obedience, He will be faithful to, to provide us with whatever we need to accomplish our goals. A return to normalcy is going to be a long and drawn out process. And and no one can say with any certainty what that new normal is even going to look like. I mean, from our current vantage point, it's pretty hard to imagine life returning to the way things used to be. You know, you can pick whatever analogy you like, uh, too much water under the bridge, or closing the barn door after the horse is out, or the futility of trying to put toothpaste back into a tube. However we choose to phrase it, we are in a much different place than we were a year ago. But even with, with all of the changes that, that are filling so, so many of us with fear and uncertainty, we can, we can rest in the knowledge that we are exactly where God wants us to be. He is, he is providing for us, and, and he's moving us forward as we seek to know him more. He, he is waiting to hear from us, waiting to hear us ask for his help, in becoming more like his son. Don't let 2021 be another year of unwanted and unwelcome changes. 
take control. And with the Lord's help, make sure that at least some of those changes are for the good. We owe it to ourselves, and we absolutely owe it to our God. So pray with me, please. Good and gracious God, we praise your name, and we thank you for your great mercy. Open our hearts and and guide us in your truth. Reveal to us those areas of our lives that are in need of your spirit, and give us the strength of will to transform them into something that will be pleasing to you. Let the light of your love inform every decision that we make and bring us into harmony with your perfect will. We pray for your presence in our lives, and we humbly ask for your continued provision and protection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as always, thank you for uh, being with me today. I hope that you all stay safe, healthy, and and joyful, and that you go into the new year with with optimism. And and there's reasons to be optimistic. We serve a a mighty God who, who will never leave us and never forsake us. And for that, we should be so joyful. May the Lord continue to bless you and to keep you and to be gracious unto you. May he turn his face and make it shine upon you and and grant you his peace. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you all. Have a wonderful week. Bye. Jesus would often use illustrations to help his disciples understand what he was trying to teach them about the kingdom of God. In a passage of scripture found in John 15, he used the vine and branches to help them understand the relationship between him, the true vine, and his followers, the branches. Then he said in verse 13, greater love had no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And then he moved from illustration to demonstration of of God's love for us by laying down his own life as a payment for us. As disciples and as followers of him this morning, the body of believers, we're gonna share in some elements this morning that he introduced to his disciples on the night that he was arrested to help to remember him and what he was willing to do for us. So we have a piece of bread that represents his body, which is broken for us. We'll take this together. And then we're going to take the cup, which represents the shed blood that takes away our sins. Pray with me. Father, thank you that you love us that much and care for us in your creation that you would send Jesus to to represent a, a need that we could never feel for ourselves. We are grateful, Lord, to what he's done. And we just thank you that we're in your loving care at at all times and we are safe in your arms. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.